Hi guys, welcome back to the Tonal Podcast. This week we're talking about Trump with one of my favorite singers and friends, Hollis Wongware of the Flavor Blue. Hope you guys enjoy it. Hi Hollis. Hey Zerna, how are you doing? Good, how are you? I'm good. I'm trying to stay hydrated in all this heat. Uh, and also because we were drunk last night. <laughs> I crashed Hollis's house at like what 2 a.m. 2:30. It was cute. 2:30, and yeah, you know, we we really had a good time. We mellowed out. Yeah, we did. It was great. It, it was, was good vibes. It was tight. I uh, slept till like noon today. It was dope. You you uh, didn't have that luxury. I woke up so early. Like I don't know. I was just sometimes I wake up on the weekend. I just want to go to Trader Joe's. I that's a commendable impulse to have when you wake up in the morning on a Saturday. And I'm like, you know what? I need Trader Joe's. But then after Trader Joe's, I didn't feel like cooking. So then I went to Tacos Delta. Bomb. I've never been there. Oh, really? Lord, you guys all have to go there. Listeners, you can get 10% off by. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> Where is it, though? It's literally right across the street. Oh, that's popping. It's, it's like so prime. Do you have a favorite taco spot? I do. I wanted to shout out Taco El- Bell. El- no, <laughs> I haven't been there in like 15 years. Oh, but it was um, so good back in the it day. It was bomb. It was delicious. Um, I would like to shout out El Zarape, which is on Fountain Avenue, really mm-hmm. close to the 101 on the east side in East Hollywood, where I reside. And um, their shrimp tacos are so popping. Pretty much all you flavor blue super fans. <laughs> now you know where to find me. Now you know where to find me. <laughs> Catch me double parking <laughs> on Fountain Avenue, running in and getting some tacos. That sounds good. So let's go from tacos to Trump. Oh, nice. The alliteration. So we're both really big Republicans. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, Make America great again. Yeah. Isn't that hilarious that they operate on the premise that America was great in the first place? I know. Hmm. You guys were in For you. <laughs> yeah. What was your life like? For your ass. For people of your creed. It was. You know, it's actually kind of funny. So I am um, Chinese American and also white. Um, so my dad's family, my dad told me our white family has been here since like 1775 in Kentucky. You're from Kentucky? Or you're I'm not. Family? My family from way, way back Where's was. Kentucky? Uh, I don't know. I really don't know much. Crazy. But they kept hella good notes in Bibles and shit. Like, for real, for real. Notes in Bibles. Notes in Bibles. And then my mom immigrated here when she was 19. So it's like, the the spectrum is within me. How'd your parents meet? My parents, according to them, I need to, like, rest the real story out of them after a couple glasses of wine. But I think they told me they met at a nightclub in the Bay Area. They met at a strip club. They met at a strip club. (laughs) For sure. So, shout out to Hollywood. And then I was conceived that night. No, yeah, um, that's what she told me. Your mom <laughs> I called her right before. Shout this. out my mom. Yeah, my mom's be no, my mom kicks mom. it with all my friends though. Really? Yeah, we like Not roll deep to dim sum. Right, we'll come through. My mom is like an incredible cook. She, I was about to say, does she cook? Yeah, she's we insane. Well, she owned a Chinese restaurant for twenty years. My is first twenty years of my life. By any chance, like a tiny Asian woman. She's smaller, but not tiny. Because that just she could like Loki take most people. That's a thing, like. Little Asian moms are just the scariest beings on this planet. My mom no, my amazing. mom's my mom's power is all psychological. My mom's yeah. got a crit. She's top one percentile. Yo, for real, it's crazy. Um, let's okay. Let's get into some some Trump Nation stuff. Where should we start? So where is there to start? I think that's 
first of all, the strategy of what's happening right now in our politics as we actively see our executive branch dismantling itself before our very eyes. Absolutely. Um, as was the decree of Mr. Bannon um, because he's talking about wanting shit to go to hell so that we all suffer and then some new shit can be, I don't know, it's whatever. I think that like Trump, they're overwhelming us with how much the fuck, how deep and how quick the fuckery became. Yes. So it's really difficult to feel oriented Mm -hmm. and like one has a comprehension and I think it's also indicative of the fact that we didn't feel the urgency to be that keyed in. So we have like a huge learning curve because a lot of us were just operating like everything was cool. Absolutely. I think the eight years kind of like we were just kind of in this days of like, I, I would say part of it was like a bit of like a political glaze where you were like, okay, cool. We're just moving onwards and upwards. And like, that's just how we're going. Like we had Barack for eight years. Right. And I mean, so that's a really great example. So like Barack Obama, obviously the bombest president we will ever have. Also the finest. <laughs> Yo, look up Barack Obama shirt off. <laughs> Google it right now. Is there a... I, he's my celebrity crush. I know. So is Michelle, though. Oh, you guys. I love the Obamas. So I heard they're moving to Palm Springs. We'll see. Okay. No. Yeah. Watch. They're not... She'll be <laughs> yeah. coming in on a floaty okay. at Palm Springs. Y'all hey. trying to go to the Parker? <laughs> Anyone? The, you guys want to hit the ace pool with all the other ravers? Um, cool. No, but shout out Barack. He was a dreamboat. He was a dreamboat. In all aspects. In many ways. Mm-hmm. And in other ways, he like deeply, you know, like continued, um, you know, the American military industrial complex, mm-hmm. drone warfare. Um, he deported the most people um, of any president in history. So it's interesting when we think about it because even somebody that's such a dreamboat for real, yeah. like, and somebody who, like, I think captured our zeitgeist as millennials and as yes, women absolutely. of color, as people of color, the possibility of shattering the white male. You know, actually, and this is where, like, this is where we start getting into, like, how we resist, but I remember my math teacher in my 10th grade year, um, he did this math equation to demonstrate how statistically improbable it was that there was never a female president. Like, so he like did the math to show that it's like, it's statistically like impossible for it to be, like, to be in random probability that a woman was never president. Obviously right. like that makes sense because men were the only people who were allowed to vote until right. like less than a hundred years ago, but yeah. like, or a little bit more, we just reached the centennial. But anyway, <laughs> moral of the story, yeah. <laughs> moral of the story. Um, just like, you know, Obama affirmed us in a way. Yes. And so I think that af- affirmation allowed us to dismiss or not see or avoid the truth of like a lot of things that I think that's absolutely our country true, was yeah. continuing to do. So that's a really interesting perspective because I wouldn't say that, that I necessarily even thought of that. But I think that kind of like the glamour of that whole institution, which obviously there was a lot of glamour and like an amazing parts of it. But I agree. I don't think like I was as aware of issues. Um, as I was in the past, just because it was kind of like more of this cool thing versus political thing. Totally. No, and I mean, it's real because there was an actual integrity and moral, you know, impetus for Mm -hmm. this, for the Obamas. Mm -hmm. Like, Michelle was the shit. Like, she's the best. Like The best. She's really the best. And she is an incredible, she's just incredible in every way. And And such a role model. Exactly. An amazing first lady, like, I, I, I loved, like, all the realms she was really getting into as well. Like, it made sense for her. She was passionate about it. I love that she's never running for president. Right. I love that she straight up was, like, 
no, this right. is like not the job that I want. No, and she can be a very powerful citizen. So I think Absolutely. this remains to be seen. I think we have to really see what the, how the Obamas get into shit. Because right now it's hot water because Trump is calling him out saying that he's tapping his phone lines. I mean, that's the thing is like everything's so ludicrous in this presidency Mm -hmm. that it's like it shocks us. So when moderately horrendous shit happens that actually really does deeply impact our quality of life, we don't we're not even like aware of it because we're so like stunned by how like bad shit everything is. I think everyone's waiting for the punked moment. Right. Everyone's waiting for someone to be like, this is just a joke. I think it's something to me that's also been interesting is seeing how people have like really banded together, I would say in this time. And like even having conversations like we're having now or conversations that like I have been having with my friends, it's just become such a different climate. There are a lot of things that we weren't talking about before. So I think it's kind of like really opened up the conversation, Yeah, which is so interesting, especially amongst like, you know, just like day to day, like colleagues and friends that I normally wouldn't even talk politics with. For sure. No, I definitely feel that. And I think that like, that's kind of like the tension sometimes I think of, you know, a lot of people getting immediately engaged because shit is so bad, like right. so, so bad. And the threats are so real and present and mm-hmm. us showing up makes so much of a difference. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's like, you know, a large, you know, group of people who have been political activists and have, have been engaged and have been working on community stuff. And I think that like you really saw that disparity like at the Women's March, for example, mm-hmm. people being like, we're here, we're proud, we're women. Mm-hmm. And, but for a lot of people who are involved in community organizing work and activism work, it felt like more of like a parade, like a very right. empty gesture. Right. So it's all about how people show up after that exciting moment of togetherness or like having that one conversation. And it's like, how can we start to prioritize showing up? Mm-hmm. And like, it's hard because we're all busy and we're all like, especially as creatives, we're fucking hustling to try to right. make it in the creative economy Mm -hmm. and it's hard and we need to monitor or we feel the imperative that we have to monetize our creative skill sets but that creative skill set is actually what's going to be the most useful absolutely and it's really important too like what I've always been telling people it's like you don't have to get involved in traditional ways yeah use what it is that you do to help like you don't have to do all these like traditional things that you would think you don't have to go to march you don't have to go to a protest if you don't want to like Mm -hmm. figure out your way of of expressing yourself and helping and go from there. Yeah. And I think that it has to go beyond expressing yourself too. Because oh, absolutely. Because that's the problem. Like, that's, that's like the, phase one. Right. Well, no, no, no. But it's for real. Because I think like having social media and having like a constant stream of, of kind of discourse, like mm-hmm. I agree with you. Like it's having, it, being able to have this elevated political discourse feels a lot better I mean, it can also feel really draining and exhausting. Like yesterday I was like sitting on my phone, like looking at Twitter and I realized I was just like so drained. I could like, I felt, I was in the sunken place. No, in the (laughs) sunken place. It's so real. I'm for real. No, uh, also that movie was fucking crazy. Fire flames. Uh, Oh my God. I need to Um, see it But also like such an interesting time for it to come out. It was perfect. It was absolutely perfect. It was what we needed. Yeah. And it, it was, I can't believe that they filmed that like years ago. It was like bomb. It was not prophetic maybe but yeah avant yeah sorry side note um (laughs) no but i think that is it's really important to obviously take it a step beyond um and how are ways that you're doing that well i want to know um well i think so for me like the way that i even got started as an artist and creative was in like an inherently political capacity Mm because i started doing spoken word poetry Mm -hmm. with this organization called youth speaks shout out youth speaks um which has turned out like dozens of 
fucking incredible alumni that are changing shit nationally and internationally. But um, basically, like, coming together, like, people understood sharing poetry as, like, an inherently political act Mm -hmm. and the idea of forming radical community and how narratives can shift culture. Like, that was just, like, what I learned when I was, like, 16. Mm -hmm. I will be forever grateful for that foundation because I feel like I would have... I'm the kind of person where I'm like, I am like, I'll be like, oh, this is awesome. So if I had been like, you know, I did, I embodied that and I'm thankful for that kind of compass mm-hmm. versus me being motivated by something else. Absolutely. Or, you know. What a great experience to get also that young. Yeah. That's you know what I'm saying. Mean? Like, and I don't know. I just, I feel really grateful that like it's through art and through music that I was, you know, and through poetry that I like formed my political identity Absolutely. and my, you know, like just, like, I was reading zines when I was 15 about, like, radical menstruation. <laughs> like, straight up. What is radical Like, radical, radical menstruation says, like, fuck corporate shit in our bodies. Mm-hmm. Fuck a tampon that has chemicals in it. Mm-hmm. Make your own pads or free bleed. Fuck it. Or, or at least, yeah, like, right. use a diva cup or, like, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah totally. Or just the importance even of free bleeding. For, and I'm, like, 14, 15 in the suburbs of the Bay Area. Like, you know, making my own zines. Yeah. Like, and so that's – I that for me like art and politics has always been like always collided yeah well it has always been like politics is the reason why you make art which is the reason you know which influences politics and like that kind of thing I also think like the art coming out of right now is going to be amazing right I was like this work in like late 2016 early 2017 is going to be Amazing. And has continued to be. I mean, I've just been like so enthralled by, you know, whether that's like the Solange album or the Blood Orange album or like just albums that are like very clearly speaking in a very insightful and introspective way about like what's happening on the outside. And it's just gives us like, yeah, it just resonates so much more now. It's not just like we're listening to this to get fucked up or we're listening to this because it's like easy listening. You know what I mean? Like it's soothing. At this point, it's like healing listening. Right. And it's also like just those beautiful bodies of work like Solange's was. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That was like one complete political statement. Yeah, it was gorgeous. And so personal too. I loved reading that interview between Beyonce and Solange in Interview Magazine. I know. Oh my God. I was like, you guys are the, yeah, it was so tight. It was so, that's like, yeah. (laughs) Like really... And it was beautiful. I mean, especially for me as a musician, like nerding out, she, Solange was talking about how she wanted her vocals to be mixed so that they were very like up close mm-hmm. and present and like didn't have a lot of effects. I mean, she's always had a very like more intimate way of saying. I've been a Solange fan for like a decade though. I was Tell with her with. Me the truth yes. So there was losing you, but then there was fucking when she was doing her little like doo wop thing. And she had Sandcastle Disco and fucking the other cut that people bumped more than that song. But that was my cut. Sandcastle Disco was my shit. Like, period. She's dope. She's hella dope. And she's hella about it. And she speaks her truth. And it's tight. I'm about it. And I just love also, like, in the creative world, like, especially with all of, like, the interesting assets she's putting together through, like, St. Heron, like, with all of her shoots, just, like, celebrating women of color. And just, like, really, I mean... It's awesome because they're also so beautifully art directed. Mm-hmm. And I love that she's just like bringing that whole vibe back. Totally. There's, you're seeing so many people influenced by it. It's fine art. You know? Like she's yeah, basically creating beautiful. like fine multimedia art. And I mean, that's the power of like the Knowles sisters is the fact yeah. that they do have the capital and the wherewithal to basically be like their own entrepreneur, entrepreneurial end. Like they're both signed to Columbia Records, but they have their own like entertainment companies that yeah. they 
are making way more money for themselves than they would be if they were just like a traditional artist signed to a whatever. Yeah. So they're, it's like powerful amazing. to see. And especially with St. Heron that there's such like an artfulness to its curation. And it puts emerging yeah. artists on too. I mean, that's exactly. when I get excited is when they post about my friend's work that I'm just like, oh my God, this is fucking incredible. Also the way I'm connecting with people. I mean, even like uh, no one art house that they did, like right after I saw that connected with them, like the DJs they use, the yeah. spaces they have, like they are killing it. And it's so exciting to see those, when I went to the my first Saint Heron event, it almost reminded me of Selection back in the day. Mm. Like that space of just like you just feel so welcomed and like just so comfortable. Totally, yeah. And I I think that's like really important. Well, really and it's necessary. dope too because they're all organized by. I mean, that's what we don't think about sometimes. Like we all go out and kick it, but like mm-hmm. if you really think about the environments that we put ourselves in. And, like, who organizes them and what kind of, like, energy and intention organizes them. Like, with St. Heron, it's always going to be, like, black and POC organized. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So what does that kind of space look like and what's the vibe there? Mm -hmm. And what's the, you know, the thought that goes into shaping that experience versus Mm -hmm. what we usually experience? Oh, yes. True. (laughs) No, I think think that's, that's, like, a really good one. Um, let's go into, let's talk a little bit about some immigration because we were talking earlier too. Mm-hmm. your mom, Chinese moved here at 19, moved here at 19. Amazing. Tell me her story a little bit. So my mom is a really amazing person and she battled a lot of adversity to get where she is. And she's very like, if somebody wanted, I don't know. I mean, like she worked so hard and was so smart mm-hmm. and like, you know, didn't have, she like only got like a middle school education. Um, and but it's just like one of the most like brilliant like she's a brilliant like business owner and all that shit so she moved here her her story is interesting because she um basically just worked she knew she wanted to come to the united states she was there there was no other option for her so she worked at like a club she did like some kind of like uh kind of sweatshop stuff like she was Mm -hmm. making like paper flowers and what have you and she just stacked a lot of money she had like a family friend or two along the way to assist but she basically stacked up hella money like amazing hella hella money and then she bought this world tour so she bought a ticket to this thing that was like maybe for us it'd be like twenty five thousand dollars right like something crazy but the idea is that it takes you on like 30 different cities Mm -hmm. right and the last two Mm -hmm. are New York and San Francisco. Mm-hmm. So she went on this tour, which was kind of like this, it was a a mechanism, mm-hmm. right? So like there's a bunch of people that are going on this tour and they go to all these different cities. So my mom turned 19 in Paris mm-hmm. and they were going to fly the next day from Paris to New York. Mm-hmm. And then so they flew that mm-hmm. day and then like suddenly the tour is nowhere to be found. And that's how people got into the country. Oh, Got it. So my mom. Sorry, that took me a minute to get it. It's insane. cool. Yeah. So because it was before digitized passports. Like, right. Yeah. Wow. So there they are. Mm-hmm. And it cost them hella money. Like it cost the tour company has to pay right. like the government because they're like, fuck you. Right. But, you know, I mean, that's all in the past now. But right. um, yeah, my mom basically hopped around the country to like different small ass towns and working in Chinese restaurants because mm-hmm. she that's where she knew people vaguely. And sure. she kind of stitched her way over to the West Coast. And then she was in the Bay Area like a year and a half after she first came here. Like and she's been there ever since. That's amazing. She bought her first house when she was 24 or 25, what? dude. Yeah, dude. She, and she was working at Denny's. Like, this shit was crazy. 
Like, it's another world, but also my mom is crazy. <laughs> like, it's, it's she sounds like she knows how to manage money. She's a money. G, dude, yeah. My mom is always like, you don't know shit about money. And I'm like, but... And I'm like, yeah, you're but right. Mom, I really <laughs> needed... I needed that reformation dress. No, yeah, right. Um, no, totally. I think it's so interesting. Like, that's crazy. It's just... I can't believe that, like, our parents, like, did the whole, like, moving to a new country thing. Like, it is just the craziest thing. When I How did my, your family come through? So my dad came um, when he was much younger. He came to study. Okay. Um, but I remember his stories, like, because he had his family here. And, like, there were, like, five of them in a one-bedroom. He had, like, he went to school. Then he went to his first job, his second job, like, both manual labor yeah, jobs. Like, totally. literally would come and, like, you know, they everyone couldn't have the mattress or maybe sleep on the floor, this and that. And there were so many of them there. And he was just, all he was doing was like working these really difficult manual labor jobs, yeah. studying and saving. And he brought his whole family over, which is both of his parents and three of his sisters. Right. And then he went back to India to get, um, we've talked about this on the first episode. Actually, they, my parents were arranged. Right. Um, that's right. And she didn't want to come out, right? No, she wanted to come to America. But oh, my mom like was really, oh my God, old photos of her, just insane. She would like, she was a teacher and she just like, she decided that she wanted to come to America and she came out here and she is just like such a G like she has ran our household since day one. Damn. She moved to Manchester, Tennessee, did not know a person, Damn. did not even know this guy. She'd met him a couple of times and she just started a new life and she just did it. Right. And she was like, you know, it's just a mindset. She was like, you just come in. You do, even Yo. like she ate meat and then she came to his house and then was all vegetarian. And so overnight she had to be a veg like crazy things that we don't even think about. It's like, she was just, she was there. You know, I was trying to look up this thing. I was listening to the TED radio hour mm-hmm. um, like a couple of days ago. And there was this talk from this dude who was a Latin professor and he was Vietnamese. And he was talking about how be- he his theory was that because Vietnamese language doesn't have the subjunctive clause, mm-hmm. it makes it so that his parents didn't have any sort of reflection or regret. So there's no like... That's it so could have been this way. It could have been that way. Like that doesn't, mm-hmm. that device doesn't exist in that language. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, it is this way. I don't want it to be this way. Exactly. So it becomes this yeah. way. And I have to ex- do this to get that, you yeah, know? And that's exactly what it was. It was just like, you come out here and you do this and that's it. Like you literally move. You don't know when you're going to see your parents right. ever. It's just, it's so crazy. Right. So I think this whole thing of like them building their lives here and making these like you know, like really taking this country and calling it their home and being so brave to come here. Like right. that is just something that I can't even fathom. Really. Right. And then to kind of go backwards, I think has been just so difficult and, yeah. and just so heartbreaking. Yeah. It's funny. Eddie Wong on his like Wong's world, he was talking to his dad and he said, you know, his dad was like, you know, America is an amazing country. Like we came here, we had a much better life for ourselves and have this the quality of life that we never would have had in our home country. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for uh, like for me, I'm, and, and I come from such oppression that like to me, the oppression in the United States doesn't like shock me as mm-hmm. much because that's the way it, oppression was way worse where I come from. Right. And Eddie was like, well, see, we're, we were told that this country that we were from was the land of the free and the home of the brave, that everybody was equal, that everybody had rights. Mm-hmm. And so we are affronted, mm-hmm. you know, because shit isn't like that right. in any way. It's systematically not like that. Right. But I think coming from like that outside perspective is just like, this is what's popping. Mm-hmm. This is where it is, you know, versus yeah. us being like, we're of this place that says it's one thing and is so not that right. thing that we feel like it's way more personal in a certain sense Absolutely. versus our parents being like, this is what's popping. Like, this is what yeah. we're going to do to do this thing. But it's just, I think it's interesting because we, that kind of fear has like never really been instilled in us. Right. We've totally. always felt like, 
when when kind of everything was going down with like the immigration ban, my mom was in India. And all I could think was, you know, she was just there visiting her family. So for some of these other countries, people's parents and siblings and people that were just there, like that is crazy to me. For the first time, I was like, wow, this could have affected my life directly in right. such an impactful way. And right. that was the first time I've ever even felt that kind of threat from mm. a government. Mm -hmm. And so I think that was like the first time it really hit me like, holy shit, like this is like, this is really real and like really really bad and much worse than I thought it was totally how do you feel about your like brown parents being in Tennessee you know it was something because growing up right we have a huge Indian community there hmm. I didn't even like really I always had my Indian friends my school friends like it wasn't too much of an issue for me I actually didn't experience it until after 9-11 and when that happened I had I mean I like I remember going to Walgreens and this dude wouldn't even like let me buy something from Walgreens like little things like that. It was, that was really rough and wow. people were just so uneducated there about different cultures. And like, you know, when they see, um, you know, someone that's Chinese, they're like, they don't, they have literally no idea that there's even like Chinese, Japanese, Korean, mm -hmm. Vietnamese, you know, all these things. Right. So everybody was looping me as like, you know, an Arab or whatever. And I was like, first of all, even if I was like, what the fuck, you yeah. know what I mean? And second of all, just kind of being, approached with that kind of th those those kind of like interesting moments was that was the first time in Tennessee I think we felt alienated and we felt not a part of the community and it was really all it was was people that weren't educated in in culture no we're so we're so like by design miseducated mm -hmm. like we say that this is the melting pot or whatever the fuck yeah. but people are so like i saw some study where it's like the ice the racial isolation of the united states is very profound like mm -hmm. we don't experience it because we live in like urban centers and right. we're creative so we're we are very very much on the fringes of what normal Absolutely. experience is but people are so isolated in their own shit and white people specifically are so like you know they'll do studies and it's like 90 percent of white people don't have a close friend of color like how crazy is that? But it's but it's real, and it's so people real. don't even know, and so that's like why it's so sad. Especially like one of my close girlfriends is sick, and so when I when like when anti Arab sentiment comes down on sick men, like mm -hmm. just because they're wearing a turban, nobody knows what the fuck mm -hmm. it means. And I'm like, sickism is actually like the dopest yeah, religion I've also, ever been in contact with. Also, Sikhs throw the best parties. Yeah, they have the best bonger music. True. Shout out to I know. Me. And fucking get down yeah. on the dance floor. Wow. My They're friend's so wedding was at a Chinese banquet hall outside of oh. Seattle. And they put on a veritable production. Jeez, it was that's so, so good. I had a really great, my favorite moment actually of the Women's March. When um, we were walking by like all the tents and there was um, a Gurudwara, which is like where Sikhs um, worship. And all of them, and they had brought their food and they we're passing out food and water bottles and to kind of see that integration mm -hmm. of like that within the women's March and just like them, like really being involved in the community and like really making a point to help educate, I thought was so sweet. Yeah, for sure. And also that, that really Langer cool. hall food is so popping. Yo, <laughs> if you are like broke and hungry anywhere in the world, not, ever, anywhere in yeah, the world, all you got to do is cover your head, yep. have like a coin, yeah. go up to the front, pay your respects to the guru, and then you mm -hmm. go downstairs and you fucking Yo, eat delicious the ass most food. bomb food ever. It's like paneer and shit. Yes. It's like really it's good. It's like all vegetarian. It's oh, all delicious. It's so good. Like, Everybody damn. hates on the vegetarian Indian food and then they no, go eat it. It's so bomb. And then they're like, wait. It's like 
Their, their shit is, I like that shit better than tempura, like the fried veggie totally. situation. I don't know the name of it. It's really good. Um, okay. We got off topic. We did get off topic a little bit, but yeah. I think when it comes down, I think we, we were circling back to immigration and like how things mm-hmm. are now because it is so intense. And I think what's really interesting is like, especially with the bands, like mm-hmm. there's just, such, we're so miseducated that we don't even realize that we, our country caused the refugee crisis. And yes. back in the day, exactly. that's the reason why there was such an influx of South Asian, Southeast Asian mm-hmm. um, folks coming from war-torn places is because the United States accepted the fact that we ripped their country to shreds. And Absolutely. so we felt an imperative to bring in refugees from mm-hmm. that area specifically um, because we fucking murdered people. So mm-hmm. like we don't feel that imperative anymore and we're so miseducated about it and we don't demand it. Right. And I think a lot of it is because we don't have a draft. Like people mm-hmm. we we weren't personally impacted by it. So many of us weren't. Right. It's just like a certain sect of people that volunteered to be yeah. in the military um complex. So I don't know. It's really wild too. And I think that part of it is just that we've really never been directly impacted in this way ever. So the fact that it's coming so that the government is becoming so personal to us in that way, I think is like really helping a lot of people. Yeah. It's getting a lot of people engaged. I mean, there have been like, you know, so many people whose lives have been already like really destroyed by ongoing policies in Mm -hmm. this country. But I think at the end of the day, we see that, us showing up like the actions that happened at the airport Mm -hmm. mattered greatly and they put pressure on in a way Mm -hmm. so I think we never can forget like I'm looking at your picture right now of the Montgomery bus boy or that's what was that Montgomery bus boycott Mm -hmm. or one of the actions you know like you have to show up like you have to put yourself in the street because that it really makes so much of a difference if Black Lives Matter taught us anything if Ferguson taught us anything it's like I think I always thought that we were in a post-protest. Absolutely. I think we all thought that. Yeah. Especially with Obama. Right. Yeah. And I think that, like, but during Obama's presidency mm-hmm. is when everything went down with yeah. Mike Brown, first of all, you know? Yep. So, and I think that's another example of, like, you know, I don't think change is ever going to come from the top. I don't think one president can come in and fucking transform the world, like, it, it, by very nature of taking on that role and getting elected right. by so many Americans. Like, mm-hmm. you're never going to be able to be, a, like, radical. Sure. You know, but... By the same token, we have the power of doing that because Mm -hmm. we don't, you know, have to appease like tens, not only hundreds of thousands or millions of people, but also all the companies that funded us to get us where we're at. Dude, Obama raised like how much money? Like a billion dollars or some crazy fucking shit? Yeah, it was insane. But also like who wouldn't want to give Obama their money? Yeah. (laughs) Sorry. Or their body. Uh, Or or their body. Uh, Obama, I know. Like, it was just a really lit time. It was lit. It was really, like, the most lit president. Well, culturally. Culturally. He was the most culturally lit, to be sure. Mm -hmm. Like, the parties he'd have, like, the roots to just his house band. I know. At the crib, at the White House. Like, what are you even talking about? No, he was V-down. When last. V-down. Well, your wife is in, what, like, some bomb ass dress. Yeah, like, she was Looking immaculate. Ugh. I, like, wanted to elect her for, like, Empress of the World. Me, too. I think that'd be a good fit. Also, like, her and Oprah, when they... Oh, my God. You guys, when they did the interview, I literally, like... Two queens. No, I had a whole thing. I, like, got it all queued up. I made dinner. I, like, made sure, like, you know, the lighting was right. I sat down and watched my two favorite women. Yeah, completely. No, the two most, like, boss-ass women. Yo, I love them. Like, what the fuck? Now Oprah thinks that she can run for press. Yeah, obviously she can. Yeah, if obviously. Trump won for, are, are you serious? But I don't want her to win, though. We oh. cannot have personalities in the White House. 
Right. But I fucking we love you, We have a fucking anti-personality in the Oprah, White House. I love you, but no. Girl. You, you if Trump to... can be president, go ahead, Oprah. Yeah, I would much rather have yeah. Oprah than Trump shit. Yeah. Well, yeah, absolutely. We'll I'm like, maybe personalities are the only people we're electing now. I mean, that's the thing is like, oh. and Trump wasn't even a successful reality TV no. star. This dude was not no. a Kardashian. Like, I don't even no. know what the fuck he's thinking. Nobody was like, oh, rather, I'm checking for The Apprentice. I would no, rather nobody's have doing that. like Kris Jenner as our president. <laughs> like, honestly. Like, at least it'd be like a wow. chanel out, like, you know, suit Oh my god, it's so tacky. What the fuck is that? And the Mar-a-Lago yeah. shit. Like, how is oh, this shit legal? I know. I'm waiting for the I season know. finale where Trump emerges from Mar-a-Lago in handcuffs. <laughs> like, I'm ready. It would. I'd love for it to be a mid-season. Uh, do we? Do we special. think he's gonna get? Y'all, y'all think he's gonna get the impeachment? Impeachment? I don't. I think it would be really difficult because that whole process is so difficult. Well, because the, the okay, everybody in Congress is hot trash hot garbage trash <laughs> and we knew the republicans were trash mm-hmm. during obama because they obstructed fucking everything mm-hmm. but now also the democrats are also trash and the republicans are being like extra dumpster fire like throw you into oh. a burning pit of lava oh lord Hor- horrendous haughty trash deeply in- ineffective mm-hmm. they're never gonna impeach him because they like the power too much and they're right. way short-sighted so they don't see how they're completely sabotaging themselves i mean here's the thing we need to Voters need to show the fuck out in yeah. two years or else we deserve this I shit. Still, you guys, I still had so many friends and close friends who, who even didn't like, vote. who like were like, you know, active and in, in, in so many things and politically and still are, still didn't vote. And I was like, are you kidding Abysmal. me? Abysmal. 11% in Los Angeles. Do you know how Abysmal. Easy, easy it is to vote? I literally had a mail-in ballot. And this was an important election. Like yes. S was important. Like this wasn't just some, oh, it's whatever. It's like a council person. It's mm-hmm. like, no dude, like this is like, if S had passed, it would have fundamentally changed the way the development exactly. happens. And it would have totally been in the pockets of the rich. Mm-hmm. And furthermore, the homelessness like um, initiative needed two-thirds majority to pass. Yeah. So you need more progressive people to come out and say, yes, we want to give exactly. money to this issue. Yeah. It was, uh, I don't know. I don't vote general, here still. But, but No, me neither. But I think it's just insane to me, though, even like in the presidential election, though, I had so many friends that didn't vote. I had so many. Right. So disappointed. I literally, I... I Got something in the mail and sent it. I mean, it was the easiest thing I've it's, ever done. It's pretty easy. Yeah. every Everything should be mail-in, too, because, I mean, that's yeah. how it is. And I vote in Seattle, and so mm-hmm. everything in Seattle still is, is mail-in. And it's more equalizing because people, I mean, people have to do it themselves, but ultimately they don't have to take time off work or wait in right. line and do all this shit. I mean, there's so many ways in which this country disenfranchises voters that, especially if there is a mail-in option, it's like, it's the least you can do. What did you think about Women's Day? Um, oh, the day without a woman. Yes. I mean, for me, it was interesting and I tweeted out about it, but like as a self-employed person, like the idea of taking a day off was a little scary. And then what I realized in it was I was thinking about all the ways I could take my paid labor off. Like, oh, okay, I'm going to like put an out of office on my email and say that I'm supporting this thing and like Mm -hmm. these organizations I want to support. And then I'm going to throw a party and then I'm going to have all these women over. Oh, what if I had like men do volunteer? Like even Justin was like, let me do it. And I was like, that's actually a great, that's a brilliant idea. (laughs) But then what I realized was that was unpaid labor that I was Mm. self-selecting to do. So I actually challenged myself to take the entire day off of everything. And I just met up with my friend Kara. We went down, we went to the the action downtown. Mm -hmm. We were there for a little bit. It was hot as balls. We ate at a a restaurant, Woodspoon, Mm -hmm. owned by a woman of color. Mm -hmm. And... Then I took a nap. 
That's amazing. So I had a really successful day it. without a woman. See, I thought strike. it was interesting maneuvering it in like more like corporate environments, right? Totally. I don't know about that. Because that was like, I mean, and I have like a very like cool, like cushy, like creative job, but like that's like isn't, you know, I have like tons of people under me. I can't really do it. So what I found is also is like some people are like, well, I just can't do it. And here's my thing. I was like, okay, well, here are ways that I can do it. Mm-hmm. Right. So like I can support obviously wearing red, super easy. I can support by only going to, you know, female owned businesses. Like I can also like make sure that I do take time out that I wouldn't normally for myself. Like I just tried to figure out ways to engage as best as I could. For sure. And then also, you know, being more active, like we're saying, like with charities and things like that, it's like actually implementing and like, you know, helping. Mm -hmm. So for me, it was more like, and I talked to a lot of my friends about this because I felt like I really needed to participate fully and I was like, you know what? Sometimes with this stuff, it can't be all or nothing. You just kind of have to like do your best there. Yeah, of course. That's so all that, we can ever do. And exactly. the idea is that we're showing solidarity for the women where they would be in danger of losing their livelihood if they were yes. to have participated in mm-hmm. something like this. Yeah. And I think it's really important to just like to do collective actions where at least there's a buzz. And so yes. like, you know, and I challenged myself, like I scheduled a couple of meetings during that day and then I like hit each of the people back mm-hmm. and I was like, hey, I'm actually participating in the women's strike. Yeah. And each of them are guys because I work yeah. with like 97% dudes. <laughs> and yeah. they were like, oh, I didn't know that something was happening. I was like, yeah, here's the website. Like this is what's happening. Right. Oh, cool. Like rad, whatever. Yeah. So it was, that's like the, that's the, in, it's going to be incremental. Right. Like social shifts are incremental. So exactly. it's like it, these things matter. Yeah, agreed. And I think there's something like really great about, you know, a day without women and the women's march, all these things like we're seeing a lot. They have a great platform right now to really do things together. And that's so and it's so great because it's like it's like a really good social media moment. There we go. That's what I'm saying. And I hate that in a way, but also it's a fucking great way to get the word out. Honestly, here's my low key theory or my low key wish. Like for me personally, I don't really I vote Democratic most of the time but Mm -hmm. I don't really like identify as a Democrat Mm because I think again as I said before the Democrats are hot trash Mm -hmm. and they continue to make establishment choices instead of actually breaking from the status quo and thinking about how we can actually get people behind this because I think if there's one thing that Trump's election proved is that people want a disruption people are not happy with the way things are absolutely and you know that was what that was is people who had never voted before voting for Trump because they were just like we want somebody different and I'm just like okay well you want somebody racist who's a sexual like assaulter Mm -hmm. rapist but that's fine um but you see that inclination for it so I feel like people like I'm like if the ACLU ran I know they can't because they're Mm -hmm. non-profit but if like the ACLU was like we're actually forming a 501c4 Uh and we're like becoming politically like we're running candidates Mm -hmm. That's who I would vote for. Exactly I'm going to vote same. for a constitutional lawyer right now because shit is fucking right? crazy. Yeah. Or if Planned Parenthood was like, we're running somebody. Yeah, absolutely. Like, these pe- these brands, I'm saying, these I'm brands are better mm-hmm. than the Democratic Party right mm-hmm. now. You know what I mean? People like, will people will give hella money to the ACLU yeah. way more than they're going to give to a political candidate. Absolutely. And so I'm just like, I don't know, but politics is inherently, in fact, I don't want to go down that road. I I'm mean, such a nihilist. Yeah, but there could be, I think it's like, we're obviously seeing that time where there is going to be like a massively radical shift. And I think especially, I mean, the next election is going to be so, so interesting because whoever is there, it's going to have to be someone that's so, so emotionally driven because we're all so hurt. Right. You know what I mean? Somebody has to come in with some actual healing energy. Exactly. For sure. Exactly. And like somebody like that, I mean, the person, I haven't seen it yet. I've seen, I mean, obviously we all keep up with like who's running in the next. I haven't seen it yet. 
Yeah. But I mean, we'll, we'll see. see. Keith we'll Ellison, see. I think, has made a lot of noise. Mm-hmm. I think Cory Booker is going to be something to look at. Cory Booker's made a lot of noise. I'm into Kamala Harris. Uh, I think she's yes. fucking dope. I feel like she could be a really powerful... Mm-hmm. But you know what? To be real, and kind of like my last statement about that would be like... Who we elect in local government hella matters. Yes. Hella, hella matters. So if there's anything that we can do is not only vote for, like, the big guns, but, like, really think about who we're electing in our – and that's how we can support. If we find a candidate in our local elections where we're like, this person's actually the truth, Mm -hmm. that's how you can not only give money – hey, can I throw a party Mm -hmm. to, like, spread the awareness of you? Hey, can I – like, we as creatives can actually help candidates so much. So, so much. Because they're oftentimes just, like – trying to stay above water so we yeah, can be like here's so this like dope idea that i would love to do that would like further my creative skill set and also help you out but we just need to be supporting our local campaigns absolutely agreed um last thing i want to touch on self-care in this political climate true i have been reading a lot of novels lately Ooh, like trashy ones or really no they've fantastic been good ones. they've been fantastic i read this novel called homegoing which was incredible i read this novel called The Mothers, and then I'm rereading Octavia Butler's The Parable of the Sower, which is Ugh. a fucking incredible book. Have you read the book? No. Dude, you got to read it. I've, I've it's wild, racked, dude. It yeah. takes place like 20, 2023 Los Angeles, and shit is going Ooh, down, okay, and it is so good. See, I've always been like a very like realist when it comes to reading. I read yeah. a ton of memoirs and biographies, that's and that's like really, really my bread and butter. And recently, I've just been like, I just need like an uh, escape route. So I've been getting really much more into poetry for sure. I awesome. love all these like young poets. I was just telling you guys before this, I just got my Rupi Kaur book. Rupi Kaur. Can I, let me shout out some poets really quick that you should oh, know about. Oh, please. Fatima Asghar. Yes, she's amazing. Jamila Woods. Yeah, Jamila. Oh, did, you see, did you see Janelle's uh, uh, preview for her next video? Yes. It's like salon vibes. No, yeah. It's beautiful. No, Jamila is my beautiful. everything. I love her. Yeah. She's um, we shout her out in like four podcasts. Because she's the shit. She's killing. She's dope. Um, and I want to shout out Yosi Mardres, who is dope. I actually just had a conversation with him yesterday for my podcast. Nice. Um, and then there's one more person that I wanted to Wait, shout out. Wait, shout out your podcast real quick. Oh, yeah. I'm working on a podcast right now. It's called How We Resist. Yes. TBD. TBD, but we're going to update you on it when it when it comes up. We'll holler. Um, and Nikita so Oliver. I actually want to shout out Nikita Oliver most because she, not only is she a phenomenal, like, award-winning poet, but she also is running for mayor of Seattle. Is she? Yes. She's a lawyer. She's 32. Black woman. It. Yes, Direct girl. action organizer. She's, dude, she's crazy. She got her law degree and a public policy degree at the same time from the UW and then passed the bar on her first try while she was, like, doing active organizing work. Same. Right. <laughs> Uh, she's cool. crazy I, you know, and you know, yes I just want to give her a big shout out I felt like check her out, such Oliver. a basic bitch I was like sitting at Twa Familia and I was reading Zadie Smith <laughs> yeah and there's something I just love about her also I love the love her like I just I love her writing I like I love the way that she integrates like culture and minority communities I think she's amazing but I felt so basic because I feel like now Zadie has become like very much a like mainstream cool girl thing. Yeah, but I mean like but White Teeth okay, was right? like our, she was already kind oh. of pop literature. Do you know it's what I mean? So good, but though. she's so dope. I mean she's that's who like should be popular. And exactly, but yeah. like more role models like that. Yeah, for like, sure. Like less. I like, need to read how it was Remy Swing Time, Mama right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, same time. Although it's such... Mm, yeah. How do you feel about that? Where are you on it with, with the I don't know. I feel a way. You know, I have a very unpopular opinion that Sorry. people are have already been mad at. I haven't met a single person that has that shares with me, but I listened to Sheether a couple of times. It was really ruthless. There was a lot of many, like, 
hand over my mouth times. There was a couple of terrible bars. Like when mm. she said like Miley Cyrus, she was always happy. She that's Hannah Montana. She yeah, was always yeah, happy. happy. I'm like, that's a terrible bar. Yeah. Um, but, but I was like talking to my brother about it and he had never listened to ether. And I was like, what? Sam, I can't believe you ever, never heard this song. Sam. Like, Sam. So I put it on and I'm listening to ether and I'm like, low key, like Remy Ma might've like, done a much better diss track than either was. I'm sorry. Honestly, I haven't even listened to both because I wow. got bored. Wow. You haven't listened to... I got bored. To the whole... Yeah, the whole thing. Oh, yeah, the whole thing. I was like, no, we listened to it a couple all, times. We like, burned one in the car and bumped that shit outside of the roller rink at my right. friend's car. This is what I think. I think Lil' Kim needs to get her face back. That's not happening, girl. It is gone. And then she needs to do a diss track. It's on gone. Both of them. No, girl. Lil Kim is gone, dude. Our oh, poor, so our poor sad. legendary rapper females. This is what I'm saying. They're no, all in disrepair, rough. and it's because we live in a deeply patriarchal and sexist society. Yes, that's why. That's the truth. Tell them. I'm saying. Okay, sorry. I got way off the self care. Where else are you self caring? I'm reading books. I'm trying to go on walks, however possible. Um, that's really it. That's good. Yeah. And trying self- to sleep as much as possible. Yeah, sleep is so important. I love sleep. Sleep is dope. Like, it's just, I'm down for it. Um, No, my thing, too, is, like, I wake up early to, like, make my coffee, read in the morning. Oh, that's awesome. I have, like, this, like, really quiet moment in the morning that's really important to me and really special. And, that's like, awesome. I just think you need times in your life that aren't noisy. I agree. I think our lives, especially living in LA, being in creative communities, the whole thing, it's so noisy. And there's something every night. And there's something every day and every second. And... And I think sometimes, like, you really need a moment. And I've been, I I just started this this week, but I'm really trying to keep it up. It's to not check my emails and social media right when I wake up. I know. That's killer. And it's really nice to just wake up naturally and, like, make a pour over or whatever, you know, thing it is. It's just, like, I don't know. And I'm having a lot of trouble with that. And that's something that I really want to work on. I don't want that to be the last thing I see when I go to bed. I don't want to be the first thing. I think one thing, I know it sounds really simple, but it also sounds very difficult because you're always concerned that you're going to get a call and not have it. But, like, if you put your phone outside of your room and just have an alarm clock. Yeah. Or at least put it across the room. Sometimes I do that. Sometimes I do that because I know that I won't wake up with if the alarm – I'll fall back asleep if the alarm's right next to me. So I'll, like, put it across the room. So I have to go across the room to turn it off. Um, but I think just like not having it at arm's reach, yes. I think is really important. Yes. Plus like, what is the radiation from a cell phone even doing to us in our sleep? Yo. Why are we cuddling with it? It's our yeah, closest thing. We're like spooning. Of course. Like, like I, I don't know why I care about like <laughs> scrolling through my face, but like, I'm just, I'm good. I know. I'm always like on Facebook being like, I need to deinstall. I need to take this off my phone. I need to take this off my phone. And I'm like, no, there's no way. I think I'm going to do it eventually. When I, at some point I'm moving to Montana. Oh, we're in? Yeah, I can't do this forever. Okay. I this LA that. life is so fantastic. Can't do it forever. Not forever. Love it. I just, you know, you know what I need? I need the LA vibe. I need like the LA house vibe. And then I need like a a thing. So I really need this podcast to pop off. All right. Here we are. So, Popping it off yeah, right so now. Yeah, someone needs to pop it off because apparently I need yeah. properties. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that's good. I think everyone has to have their own way, but I think... It's important. Self-care is important. I think, like, activism is also very important. And I think also just talking about things. Totally. Discourse is hugely important. Exactly. And if you don't understand exactly what's going on, that's fine. Hit up your homies. Sometimes, like, this language is difficult to digest, right? Some people have trouble kind of, like, digesting it, understanding it. That's cool. Just take it off Facebook. I think that's the thing. It can't live on Facebook or else it does fucking nothing. And all you're doing is just, like 
giving think about how many hours facebook has stolen or, from or us. just sending invites i mean i have friends that send me like invites Why? all the time and all these politically conscious things but mm. they ever showed up to one mm. like act interesting be show up i'm not about show i'm not about up. like the social the crazy social media political moments is too much for no me. demasiado bye like please just post a photo of your shoes <laughs> <laughs> Like, let's talk about it. Let's, let's talk, talk about, about it, it elsewhere. True. Yeah. Agreed. So true. Well, thanks for joining. This was really fun. I'm really excited for your podcast. Thanks, Erna. I'm excited. It's going to be really good. And when, when that comes, we'll definitely tell you guys. Wait, you guys also know, obviously, Hollis is Flavor Blue. When do we get to hear new music? <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, we can listen to new music. Or we can listen to it. We can listen to it right now. You and I can listen to it right now. Ooh, um, but our album, we're going to probably drop a song in May, maybe sooner. Um, And then the idea is to release the album like July, August. But it's full of, I I have to say, I'm really proud of the music that we're making right now and we're recording the entire album here in LA and it's like a very sun-drenched bop. Like, I'm stoked. Oh, that's such a good first sentence for a review. Sun-drenched bop. Album by Flavor Blue. It's hard for me to describe. I'll play for you and you can give Sorry, me Sorry, I said that really slowly. I'm just, That's real. But yeah, my band emotions. is called The Flavor Blue. Check us out. They know. Do they, they know? know? They have to know. How do they not know? Do you not know? I'm having a conversation with you right now. That's awesome. Um, no, that's that's awesome. I'm really, really looking forward to hearing that. Um, so you got to come back soon. Come back when, when, when your pod's up and we'll talk more. Will do. For more on Hollis, be sure to follow her on Instagram and Twitter at Wong Weezy. And also be sure to follow her band Flavor Blue at The Flavor Blue. That's T-H-E-F-L-A-V-R-B-L-U-E. For more on Tonal Magazine, please visit tonalmagazine.com or follow us on Instagram at Tonal Magazine. Thanks, guys.